It's a new fave cast. This is your host, Patricia Hernandez, and I'm here to talk about my new orc boyfriends with my lovely co-host. Hi, I'm Gita Jackson, and I'm the lovely co-host. It's me. <laughs> I'm the second host of Fave This. <laughs> so yeah, let me tell you about my orc boyfriends. So I'm so excited. I reviewed Shadow of War this week, which is this Lord of the Rings game that's famous for its nemesis system. Have you uh, heard about this? Have you Did you play the first game? So after the chance? sequel was announced, I was like, oh my god, I finally have a PlayStation 4. I should try this game that I was un- wasn't able to play because I didn't have the system it was on. So I mm-hmm. played about half an hour to an hour of Shadow of Mordor and mm-hmm. discovered that the one thing I really liked was dying and coming back to life so I could see how all the orc politics changed. But I didn't like any other parts of the game. <laughs> Wow, that's really interesting. I like dying in this game. But yeah, okay, so so the first game is is very famous, I think, because when it first came out, I think it was kind of heralded as like the first true next gen game of this generation. I remember and those it was, conversations, yeah. Yes, yes. And it was all because of what you were describing, like the orc politics, uh also known as the uh nemesis system. It it basically takes a large group of NPCs and it complicates like the ways that they interact with one another one another so every orc in the game is randomly generated they have like distinct facial features they have a distinct name combat abilities affinities likes and dislikes all that stuff uh but more importantly they exist within like a hierarchy um and they all want to move up right like the the big orc dream is to have power um and the system accommodates that want so uh, Monolith, the developers, like, programmed ways for all these orcs to interact with one another. Like, they'll try to kill each other, or they'll, tr- they'll like, hold feasts, they'll hold hunts to try to rise in rank. And I think maybe one of the most interesting parts about the system is that they have an ongoing memory of the players. So if you fight them and they manage to run away, they might come back with, like, an eye patch, uh... Or they might just be more mangled because you, like, really fuck them up the first time around. Uh, And it's just this... The game remembers what you do, but in this really interesting way, basically. And the more you interact with an orc, if you don't kill them, the more they will remember previous fights. So that's what uh, impressed a lot of people at the time. Because prior to that, they're there had just not really been anything in, in video games that was kind of, like, that sophisticated. I think a lot of people put a lot of stock in, like, ha- that the fact that none of this was scripted. Like, the developers didn't sit there and specifically design the orc that you had a huge rivalry with. They didn't script the sequence that, like, guaranteed you an epic fight with some asshole that you can kill five times before. Like, it was all what they call, quote-unquote, emergent gameplay. Uh yeah. People loved it because the stories felt really personal in a way that you wouldn't be able to replicate if someone had written out the exact same quest. It wouldn't feel the same because this happened specifically to you because of choices that you made and mistakes that you made. 
Um, so it was really easy to see why this uh, got championed. So in playing Shadow of War, uh, the sequel, it has a lot of those same systems. Like uh, the difference is that it expands them. I had an orc, for example, that accidentally killed me and then he broke my sword. I've had an orc try to assassinate me because I killed their brother, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. The thing that really surprised me is that the most affecting encounter that I had wasn't some random jerk on the nemesis system at all. Like, it was a very specific orc in the main storyline. So there are a few, like, specific characters in the game, but... Um, what made this one special was he was different from all the other orcs. He will appear in everyone's game. He always looks the same. He sounds the same. He's designed from top to bottom. But more importantly, he has like a very specific identity and personality. He's really funny. He's really charming. So I des- described this in my review and without spoiling too much, uh, this orc introduces a major mechanic. Basically, you can take orcs and when they're low on health you can shame them which by the way is a really weird video game mechanic but yeah, then that again sounds this sounds like a sex thing <laughs> sorry <laughs> like kind of well, it kind of it kind of looks like a sex thing too because you'll literal italian which is the protagonist will be like on your knees and oh then the God. the orc will like fall on his knees and like you put your hand over the top of his head like i've i've had people erotic jesus christ yes this is kind of why i joke about it being an orc dating scene but it's it's really weird though because it's like so hyper aggressive it's like so incredibly violent like not in a sexy way it's in a someone's head is literally getting decapitated way (laughs) so you shame them and sometimes there's like a very small chance that they will lose their minds in the process and become a maniac. And this is in the word of in the words of the game, not my words. This is literally how the game describes it. So this this really fucked me up because I had to do this to the only orc that I actually cared about in the game. Like I I had to mentally break him. Oh my god! And it was just it was so messed up because like. I had to listen to him plead and cry and like I literally started tearing up too because I felt so bad about it. Like the game made me care about this orc just to fuck me up, basically. That is something I've only like that is like Japanese RPG levels of fucking with your emotions. (laughs) Yeah. And so like the reason that this stood out to me was because for like all the hype surrounding the nemesis system is a very specific quest and a very specific character designed by monolith that actually became the most memorable moment for me in the game it might be different for other people i don't know but that was the case for me i mean hell like very few games have adopted that nemesis system so i guess that prediction was extremely wrong Although this makes me sad because I'd play the hell out of a high school sim with a nemesis system. <laughs> that would be incredible. I would love to see just randomly generated clicks. <laughs> that would be really, really fun. Yeah, like, <laughs> instead of having this, like, huge, ugly orc overlord, mm-hmm. like, running a whole castle, it can be like, who's the queen bee? Or who's the uh, prom king and prom queen? Yes. It's, like, randomly generated. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. That would be incredible. Like, have a homecoming election like during the game. 
<laughs> and have the winner be randomly generated. I was oh, almost man. homecoming queen, actually. I don't oh, know yeah. if you know that about me. I ran as a no. joke. So a lot of people voted for me, ironically. <laughs> wow, shit. Yeah. It came I'm... very close, apparently. <laughs> I went to a uh, very hippy-dippy high school that didn't do that sort of thing. So we you didn't have out. You prom out on how queen. terrible public school was. <laughs> yeah, I feel like every time I see this in like a TV show or something, I'm like, does school still do that? Yeah, and it's as bad as it is in those TV shows. Like, that's not an exaggeration how vicious it gets. Teenagers are really mean to each other. And they can be, but you see, know, it's, it That's sucks. exactly what would make it interesting, though. Well, I mean, I, it didn't make high school interesting because it's really fun to watch that stuff happen, but not that much fun to experience everyone systematically isolating you. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I mean, it would be different if it were literally a game with, like, no real-world stakes, right? Like, if we're all role-playing specific characters that kind of have nothing to do with who we are or, like, no... But this would Real be, like, influence. the ideal way to do, like, a new bully game. Or, like, a Mean Girls licensed game would be, you know, you're Katie Heron starting their new year at their new school as someone with a totally blank slate, and you have to navigate all these vicious clicks through some kind of combat system, and all their clicks are randomly generated through using the Nemesis system. So they have all these very long histories of who dated who, and, like, their social stratum, and who they've had friend breakups with, and all that stuff. Just it lends itself to a lot of creative ideas that could really a game ideas that could really benefit from the kind of breadth that Shadow of War has without necessarily needing the kind of depth that I think that the Shadow of Blank games need but don't have. So the thing I didn't like about Shadow of Mordor is just I just mm-hmm. didn't give a shit about the central conflict at all. Mm-hmm. And I was really just interested in the Nemesis system, and I felt like the developers were not trying to ke- keep me invested in the sort of dead wife plot. They you know really what would just- be a, a, a good article that I would read the hell out of? Like, I died 50 times in Shadow of Mordor, and here's what happened. Yeah. Like, just chronicling where orcs move and what they do. Although, can you, you, can you see... who the orcs are from the get-go like could you can you attach a name to a face from the get-go i couldn't but i got really obsessed with looking at the um the available orcs that i could see the information Mm -hmm. of um and i would check it all the time and so after i would die i would go to that screen while i was still in the tower and just look at all the new orcs and try to remember who they were so that Mm -hmm. i could go out and find them in the real world (laughs) Yeah, I think that that would make a great article if you don't spend any time killing them, but just finding them so that you know what their names are, running away, <laughs> and then just dying over and over again in like really silly ways just to see where they would go. That's amazing. You've successfully pitched an article that I pitched to myself to me. <laughs> I think maybe I'll give that a shot. I'll see how far that goes. Steven Totillo, <laughs> our boss, who is definitely listening to this.
our second topic. We wanted to talk about Mario. I think you and I have a beef with Mario because modern Mario is being ruined. So, I mean, specifically, we're going to be talking about Mario nipples. Like, this is the thing about Mario that's really weird, is that he Mm -hmm. is, he now has human characteristics, and he's not exactly human. And the more human-like he becomes, the more upset I get about the existence of Mario. (laughs) Yeah, so... You don't actually have a problem with the nipples, though, though, do you? I know the internet was, like, freaking out over them, and they... I just looked at them, and I was just like, that's it? Like, that's... It's not, like, the just the, the nipples bothers me. It's more like mm-hmm. the more he becomes an autonomous human, human being with needs and desires, the more I'm like, okay, we actually have to address this, like, weird, pervy man that follows <laughs> around Princess Peach all the time. We have to, like, if we're going to th- start thinking of him as a human man who has hobbies, like, that goes surfing and stuff, mm-hmm. then there actually has to be some character to Mario, and there's not. He is so good as, like, a man-shaped object that pops on thing. That's perfect. <laughs> That's what I want from Mario. If he's an actual human being, then I think he stops being good. So let's go, let's go through the list. All right. Uh... So nowadays we know that Mario punches Yoshi. That made That's so the rounds. upsetting. <laughs> it's so fucked up. So he is clearly not a good person. Yeah. On some level. Uh we know that Mario is no longer a plumber. Yeah. And that... I don't know how long this has been going on. How long has he been lying to us? <laughs> yeah, how long has he not had a job? How long was he a plumber for? Was he, was he a plumber just like, for, like multiple decades? There's no way he can rejoin the job market now. <laughs> and we talked about how he has nipples now. Did you know that Mario's last name is Mario? I did know that he's Mario Mario. I did know that. That is messed makes, up. That is really okay. Sense, so this though. is the thing. Like he's still distinctly non-human in a lot of ways, but he is also becoming more like a person that you would like meet in the street there's a lot of men named mario in new york you know (laughs) like Mm -hmm. he's becoming more and more like that guy while also still being a cruel stereotype of an italian (laughs) yeah i mean it it kind of makes sense they are the mario bros so of course his last name is mario but it does make things really weird for luigi because then it means luigi's full name is luigi mario (laughs) Poor Luigi. He can't escape his brother's shadow, like, at all. No, Like, it's not enough to be overshadowed. Name is a constant reminder of how you fall short. I'd be depressed as hell. I would be so, so, it would be, if I had my brother's first name as my last name, I would be so mad every single day of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Another Mario fact. Mario has extremely well-defined hair now. You can see, like, each individual... individual yes. Because Nintendo does this weird thing with every new Mario release or every, like, major Mario game. They'll release a new Mario render kind of to show off the technology, and it's really intense every yeah. time. I don't um, need to see 
each single hair on Mario's head. It's cool that it's like now he has, instead of a bunch of pixels, an actual hairstyle. But it mm -hmm. is, I think, a little weird to... It's again, it's like the uncanny valley thing. He doesn't look like a human, right? We've seen him next to actual humans in New Donk City. And mm -hmm. they're much taller and have much different proportions than Mario. Mm -hmm. um, but so if Mario, like, what is he? Like, what are, he's not from a Toad Kingdom, right? This is just, there's not enough Mario lore for my precious tiny little brain to make sense of this. <laughs> but the, the other thing about the hair is that, like, internet detectives found out that he has a single gray hair in there. Oh my god. Nintendo decided that Mario needs to have a single gray hair for some reason. That's upsetting. That's really upsetting. Like that is Mario aging? Is Mario going to die? Well, here's here's my last Mario fact. Did you know that he's fucking 25? No, there's no way he's 25. He's 25. Mario is not 3 years younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so messed up. He's done so much in his life. <laughs> yeah, he's had a career and he's left it. Yeah. He's a plumber. He's about to get married. That's ridiculous. Is that the story of, Mar of Mario well, he's Odyssey? He's got a wedding outfit. You don't buy a wedding outfit unless you're planning on getting married. Like okay, in the immediate there's, future. There's something weird going on in the trailers for Mario Odyssey because Mario's wearing a, a wedding suit and Peach is wearing a wedding gown but Bowser is also wearing a, a wedding it's good to suit. Know there's polyamory is like legal in the Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> I'm just imagining this weird situation where like Bowser kidnaps Peach to marry her because of course he would, and Mario's like, "No, I'm getting married to her," and Peach is just there like, "Well, I this feel is like my Peach life." Would have a say in this? I don't know. I'm just feel like she's an autonomous person. But is she a person? That's the problem. If she's mm -hmm. not a person, maybe it's, like, fine. But all they're doing to Mario makes it feel like these are people and not video game objects. Like, this is the thing. Like, the excuse they always use about Peach constantly getting kidnapped and, like, all that shit is that these are basically props for you to get, you know, to get you to play these games, essentially. Mm -hmm. But if they're Mario ages, if Mario has an age and a last name, and if he has individual hairs on his head, then he is actually a person. Which means that we can't have a plot of a game where Peach doesn't have a say in who she marries. <laughs> so I remember this when I was a kid, and I was playing Super Mario Sunshine. And I hope I'm not misremembering this, but if I recall correctly, the story is that you meet this kid... And he tells you that Peach is his mom. And I just remember spending all this, like, mental energy being like, Peach and Bowser fucked? <laughs> How did they... Did she have the baby? How did that happen? Like, and then... How did that happen? <laughs> but then, like, eventually you find... I think I've, eventually you find out that that was just a lie. But I think they're... I also remember there being some, like, weird truthers out there that are, like, Peach and Bowser have definitely fucked. Yeah. Like, 
if you if there are a few games where you play as Peach and she seems to be extremely capable, like she seems to have like combat abilities and she can fend for herself. So I just feel like I'm sorry, this is going to sound like victim blaming, but what if we're playing Mario on the assumption that she's being kidnapped, but actually she wants to go every time and yeah, Mario's Peach just like smash like that's all it is. <laughs> She's just trying to get it in. Mario's cock-blocking her all the time. <laughs> Why can't they make Peach more realistic? Yeah. I'm, the All the changes they've made to Peach make her look more cartoony, right? I like sort of Peach's new facial design. I like what they've done with her lip a lot. But whereas mm. Mario is, you know, slanting more human-like, Peach is becoming more and more of a distant cartoon. And that's a little weird. I'm very excited for Super Mario Odyssey, but it's it's sort of the design choices they're making for Mario specifically are creepy. And it, mm. I think they're creepy. Like, I'll go as far as to say that. You know what's weird, though? As Mario gets creepier, Bowser gets cooler. That's true. Bowser's Remember so awesome Remember that commercial that was in Japan only with Kyari Pamu Pamu? It was for like the new like the new 3DS plates where you could slide in different plates that had designs on them, and Bowser was wearing this really cool hipster outfit with the hipster glasses, and he just looked love... like a baller. Yeah, I love his all his different outfits make him look really good. Yes, and I just love this new persona that they've given him of of him being a dad. Yes, like a beleaguered father of like five children. He's trying so hard. Like, yeah, like, the stuff for the Switch parental controls is him trying not to let one of his many children to see inappropriate content. Yeah, I just, I love this reinvention of of Bowser. You know what I would play? I would play a game in which it's just Bowser trying to be a dad. Yeah. Bowser trying to, like, corral all his, like, different sons and daughters. He has daughters, right? He has I'm, one I'm only daughter. thinking about Bowser Jr., Sorry, what? He has one daughter. A single daughter. Yeah. Who are the parents of these children? It's not Peach. <laughs> it's not. I just how does she do do they give birth? Like that's <laughs> or does a child just appear? What if yeah, I, I don't know what does the Does he lay an egg? Like, Who fucking knows? Like Yeah, what if he's the so I I'm this entire time I've been assuming there must be a mom, but what if physiologically they're just able to lay eggs and bowser's the sole <laughs> the so sole dad weird. to all oh these kids yeah I what have is no it asexual reproduction hmm. and they just have chosen families someone i know that that someone's written some kind of lore post so please send it to us we have a new email address we'll introduce it at the end of the show but as soon as you hear it please send us your theories about whether how reproduction works in the mushroom kingdom <laughs> so yeah nintendo i i feel like it's it's just a matter of time before they they make a game that's like about this new bowser persona that because they've been leaning really heavily into it so i i hope they go all the way with some weird bowser sim because there was a that game a while ago, Bowser's Inside Story, like that was all about him, right? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. I'm so. I'm Googling. I'm Googling right now. <laughs> it's just like I, I really what I want to know is where Bowser gets his kicks. <laughs> hmm. He's very stylish. 
because it looks better on him than it does on Mario. Mario has an iconic look, but that means he can never He's not, not stylish, be. though. He's not stylish at all. He's, he's an overall wearing mustachioed 25-year-old. That's upsetting. Do you think they'll ever reinvent Mario? It's so weird for him to wear overalls. Yeah, no. I mean, overalls are back in, but only for women. Mm-hmm. Although our social media manager, Alex Vetter, wore overalls and dressed as Mario to the Causeway Ball that I went to last night. And he looked fantastic, oh, cool. but he looks cute and everything. So, But when you are like three feet tall, I feel like overalls will just make you look like an egg. Well, isn't it weirdly appropriate? I remember wearing overalls all the time when I was literally in uh, like kindergarten, yeah. first grade, second grade. Yep. I feel like so, my parents thought it was uh, just a lot easier for me to wear overalls. <laughs> I wore them constantly. It's so it's so weird how it's just like this thing that so many kids wear, and then there comes a point in which it's like, no, no more overalls. Yeah. I'm grown now. Yeah, I mean, there are, like, fashion outlets have been trying to make overalls a thing, and I think I've finally been brainwashed into believing that they look cute. Like, it's finally happened to me, but it, it is just something you wear as a kid or if you are doing construction or farming. <laughs> I mean, that's why Mario wears and He's a plumber. This is like a work outfit for him. Oh, true. Oh, but he's not a plumber anymore, so... So why does he wear the overalls? Although they are experimenting more with different outfits, because, like, doesn't he... So yeah, obviously he changes the... outfits a lot in Odyssey. He's got the... Sombrero, he has a chef outfit. I forgot the other ones he has, but he looks really cute in all of them, too. Yeah, he's a cutie. So hopefully they can like revamp him. I will I I volunteer Nintendo to give Mario a makeover. Oh man. Like a uh, <laughs> Dante style me. makeover. <laughs> I will what not to wear Mario Mario, the 25-year-old ex-plumber. <laughs> Actually, right. I really like how the the top hat looks on Mario for the Super Mario Odyssey. It's really cute. He looks Don't really they cute all just wear top outfit. hats? I There's something weird it. going on there. Yeah. I don't know. This game is going to be real bonkers, and I'm just excited that it is. I hope it is as weird as it looks. Hmm. And I hope I all get right. to wear put Mario in something that makes them look a little bit more fun yeah it'd be cool if you could just choose his outfits make it like splatoon where they all have different status yes that would be so great i'd play that crossover oh my god oh my god don't even start because i would lose my mind Cool. So we're going to end the show with a little bit of reader mail. First, we have a question from Patrick Austin, actually, who works at Lifehacker. Um, and it's a question I really wanted to answer because I, I struggle with this, too. He says, how do I politely deal with two-player games where there's a clear difference in skill between players? 
And I used to date someone who exclusively liked to play fighting games and who put hundreds of hours into learning the systems for fighting games. And, well, I am just not very good at fighting games. And we played together and I would never, ever, ever have a good time. And I was never able to resolve this. And it was ended up being one of the reasons why I broke up with him. Wow. Yeah, it's rough. I feel like if part of it is definitely on the other person, you know, I would say to this, this guy that I used to date, hey, I don't have fun when I play fighting games with you. Can we play other games? I think at one point what he said is, well, you have the game too. You should just practice. <laughs> so oh, angry. No. Yeah, that's what I immediately thought too. Just that when you're in those situations, the reason that it's awkward is because potentially the other person is not accounting for trying to make your experience fun. Right? Yeah. So you're put into this position where you have to tell them that they need to change whatever it is that they're doing or they need to be more inclusive to you. And that's weird. Like, yeah. Yeah, I feel like it really comes down to whoever, whenever I play games with people who don't play games very often, I do try to at least have like another person that doesn't really play games. Or yeah, I do honestly go easy on them if it's something that's competitive. Because I don't, I love playing well. But what matters to me a lot more is making sure everyone's having a good time. Mm-hmm. And that's so hard, right? That's, that's the other thing that makes it awkward, too, that someone wouldn't care enough to make sure that everyone is having a, a good time, that they would only care that they are having a good time because their good time is kicking your ass and being competitive. Yeah, that to me just seems like it's less a problem of video games and more a problem of bad friendship dynamics. You can't, mm. if you can't have fun unless you're winning, then you need to like reassess what your definition of fun is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever quite been in, in this, these situations because most of the time I try to avoid competition with friends because it can turn ugly and I'm just, I'm too competitive. Or I won't, if there's like a big skill gap, I just won't have fun. I was very lucky in college that um, most of the people that I was friends with were around my same skill level. So it was never like a, it, there was never a big wallop. Mm -hmm. I think the one exception was like Super Smash Bros in that the winners tended to be like the same two people but that game made it a little bit easier because it wasn't just like one-on-one -on -one. one person fails and fucks up and one person is like the absolute winner like you can still come in third place and even if you come in in fourth place it's like not as big of a deal because it's kind of diffused like there's so mm -hmm. many more circumstances that can go into you losing and especially if you're playing with like items yeah you can kind of tell yourself like that death was bullshit. It doesn't really matter. I don't have to get mad over the fact that I just died in this game. So I guess maybe that would be my advice if to to play party games, not play these the games that are like inherently hard edge like competitive games. Play something in which the stakes feel lower in which it's not just you and one other person and the tension is is like high. Make it some party game that like three or four more people can play and i think you'll you'll have a more fun time because those games are designed for a good time yeah 
Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why I bought One Two Switch. And it's like not a great game, but I knew that it was something that I could throw on if I had a bunch of people over at the house and no one would feel like they couldn't play video games. Yeah, th- that's an interesting example, too, because if you lose at a 1-2 Switch game, no one's going to fucking rage about losing 1-2 Switch, you know? Yeah. It, it's been deliberately designed for everyone to have fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, no one's going to, like, lose their shit if they lose the cow milking game. Or they will, but they can, like, also know that they lost the cow milking game. So it's like they can't really be mad about it. Yeah, I feel like that's a, well, that's a specific example in which you might be hyped that you that you <laughs> lost. Because what does it say, say about you? <laughs> if you lose, you're like, well, I'm a normal human. Who <laughs> hasn't been practicing the cow milking game. I played that game at a party recently. I played um the... The finger shooting game, the the one where you have to, it's a shootout one. And mm-hmm. everybody got it immediately. And some people were better at it than others, but mm-hmm. everybody had a good time, even if people continually lost because it goes really fast. And the, at, you know, the, com- the way you play is very, very easy to learn. Well, that's another, I think, thing that, that makes for good advice if you're playing competitively, maybe make it so that the rounds are like, or whatever game you're playing is quick. So there's not this feeling of like, shit, I'm just sitting here getting my ass beat for like 10 minutes versus like, I lost in 10 seconds. It doesn't really matter, you know? Yeah. No, the fighting game I play with this X was Marvel versus Capcom. And that game, if you make one wrong move, you can just put your controller down. And that was always so frustrating. It never felt like I could come back from something. It always felt like he would get me in an air juggle and I would just put down my controller. So I think we have one more reader question from Alan Ibrahim, and I want to make sure we got to this too. So he writes, as a fellow mid-20s, when do you think we will be too old for fandoms and internet culture? And what are some fandoms that you've seen who are open and inviting to older folk? I ask because I feel like most of the fandoms I enjoy on Tumblr now are catered towards teens and college kids, and that can sometimes feel isolating. I don't know. I... I feel like I've always seen people of all ages in fandom. You, if you're participatory, though, you end up just not mentioning how old you are after a certain point. <laughs> At 28, I do feel like fandom ancient, but I know wow. that's not the case. Another thing I started realizing is that I still participate in fandom in that I still read fic and I still look at fan art and stuff, but I don't participate in fandom in that I'm not creating content anymore. And I'm not mm-hmm. participating in these conversations. In fact, mm-hmm. a lot of the time when I see a lot of fandom fights, I just suddenly feel like the oldest person in the universe. So it's not like I drop out of fandom or feel too old for fandom. I feel too old to talk to teenagers online. Yeah. Well, this is, this is immediately what I, what I thought about. So I don't know that I'm a part of that many fandoms now that I'm, that I'm older, but... And, I, and I've heard it said a, a whole lot that, like, people talking about, like, those conversations that you see on Tumblr, those are kids, like, just let them do their thing. 
But at the same time, part of the problem that they're having all these like fights that we had a million years ago is because people eventually, when they get older, they check out of the fandom and there's not someone there to be like, all right, this is how we resolve this. This is what we discovered X years ago. Um, but I'm also curious, Gita, do you, do you feel like there are certain media properties or certain fandoms that tend to have people who are older? I think a lot of book stuff, like not YA books. I remember there was for a brief period of time, a Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell fandom. That's a great, great ass book, but it's also... If you hit someone with it, it would stun them. You know, it's mm. a really long book. And there was some a very dedicated but tiny fandom for this. And it was mostly older people. I think a lot of stuff that isn't trying to cater to Flavor of the Week stuff, that tends to be older. I know Harry Potter fandom at this point is just a bunch of adults who ended up working for media companies. <laughs> but... Mm. And stuff that's just a little bit more, you know, Buffy fandom now is just mostly adults who are, you know, in the education circuit, actually a lot of adjunct professors. <laughs> but it really, I think it, I think when the new stuff that encourages an older fan base is stuff that's just not your flash in the pan uh, cartoon shit, you know, like no, no mm-hmm. shade to cartoons, no shade to YA novels, but those can go, but be really flavor of the month e when it comes to fandoms. They come on the scene, they're hot, they're bright, they're colorful, and because they're meant for younger people, while they are, while they are deep or deal with complex topics, they aren't very nuanced. So um, there are some like really interesting fandoms that crop up around stuff that you wouldn't expect them to have fans. Where like there's a Downton Abbey fandom, and there's a you know a upstairs downstairs fandom. Um, there's a fandom that just follows around different weird British actors that are in all of the BBC miniseries, you know, mm-hmm. like that stuff. You end up with older people, like the people who really want to fuck Benedict Cumberbatch. All those people are moms. <laughs> I don't get that personally, but like he, the stuff he stars in is meant to be a little bit more cerebral. It's mm. it's a difference between, you know... T- well, you say that, and I immediately imagine that one scene in Sherlock where he's, like, voguing. Or is that just a thing? I've never watched the show. Is that just a thing that he does every episode? No. Because you say cer- cerebral, and I'm like, all the clips that I've seen from this show are really absurd. Okay, I there is a hour and a half long YouTube video about why Sherlock is actually a bad show that I encourage all of you to watch because Sherlock fucking sucks. However, <laughs> it's a show that's written as if it's written for adults, whereas Steven mm. Universe, while is like a very, very good show, that is written for children. Mm-hmm. So Steve, Sherlock doesn't succeed in, but attempts to c- present complicated ideas where the moral isn't really spelled out either way. Steven Universe has, it exists in a world where there is an ultimate right and an ultimate wrong, and there isn't really any nuance in between. Mm-hmm. And so I think I, it's the, the latter kind of show, the Steven Universe-esque shows. Those are the ones that could attract really young people. And st- stuff that, even if it is messy or bad, like Sherlock, which I honestly I think fucking sucks so much. <laughs> I really hate that show. 
um, that can attract older people. It's attracted more younger people as it's gone on and gotten a lot worse. Um, and we started at a baseline of bad, but if you look at it, it, it's really about when you're young, you really do believe the world is black and white. And then when you get older, you make a lot of weird, shitty sacrifices and realize it's all shades of gray. And you get attracted, if you have the kind of personality that really needs, like, expanded works, you'll still participate in fandom just for stuff that isn't the hot new thing. Mm-hmm. And there's basically also, a fandom for everything, too. You just have to find it. Yeah, I, I think also, as you get older, the thing... you. So I said that I don't consider myself as much a part of fandom, but then I was thinking about this a little bit. I think it de- it depends on how you define fandom. Mm-hmm. So when you say fandom, people will think automatically stuff on Tumblr, things like Steven Universe. Um, but there, are, I feel like that could we also include some of the more like adult stuff? And I don't mean that as a like. I mean, I, I don't mean to say better do. stuff, but like when I say adult stuff, I mean like. I was lo- I was looking into meal prep communities, like these people that like yes cook something on Sunday for the entire rest of the week and they there are blogs dedicated to this and how to best do it and yes. like what to cook i mean um yeah that's a fandom mommy bloggers that's a fandom weightlifting bros on weightlifting forums those are fandoms definitely mm-hmm. they, they engage in the same social dynamics and behaviors those are all fandoms and you can get like super nerdy about it too like i would say the people who are super into like life hacking or like I feel like there, there, uh, there's money fandom. I know this sounds weird, but like people who are super into like budgets and like investing and how to like save a buck. Yep. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So, for this person who was asking, like, if if there are times in which you can feel too old for a fandom, it really depends on on what you're into. I feel like the, if your definition of fandom is is really narrow. Yes, I suppose there might be a time in which, say, you outgrow Harry Potter, but you'll probably develop other interests that are technically fandoms. We just don't think about them in that way. And I think it it's usually stuff that men are interested in. Like, all the stuff that I that I just mentioned are, like, I, I feel like the are visibly men a lot well, of the time. I think, you know, women get older and stereotypically they get interested in, like, needlework and knitting Mm. and those are fandoms too we just act a lot shittier about them when men Mm -hmm. get older and start collecting coins we'll make fun of them but that's like there's like a fancy word for coin collecting if you get older as a woman and you start knitting and you have a bunch of cats people will call you a spinster right yeah oh man i thought so i've thought about this before because people joke that when you get older you just start collecting (laughs) a thing like (laughs) You go into people's houses and they have like a million different things relating to cats or like Mm -hmm. my mom collects elephants. Uh, Everyone has like a thing that they collect when they get older. And I've thought about this a lot. And like when I'm going to turn into this person that collects this random type of object that means something to me. Yeah. Yeah. My mom started gardening. So she kind of just collects different gardening accoutrements. Mm. That she doesn't necessarily use because she teaches all the time, so she can't really garden. 
I was about to say, but I feel like that's at least useful. Like you can garden stuff that you will eat. When it's she just like gets a chance you... to garden, it's like basically once a month. She's just so busy, and I look into her eyes and I see my future. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess long story short, you never really grow out fandom. You just like end up in a different kind of fandom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I think you might be in a fandom and not realize it. That's true. You might already be in a fandom. <laughs> it sounds like something a doctor would tell you that is really scary. This comes fandom? along with a diagnosis. It's more likely than you think. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Fave This. Our executive director of audio is Mandana Mafidi. We featured music by Too Mellow. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so that other people can find the show. You can also find us on Panoply, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can also find Kotaku's other featured video game podcasts, Split Screen, on all of those uh, podcast listening devices. Got a question you want to ask or just send us some love? Send a voice note or an email to favethis at kotaku.com or tweet at Kotaku using the hashtag favethis. We'll see you next week. 